0: (laughs) that should make that flow a little easier hey yeti nation marty schaefer here again and stoked to bring you this interview one that i've been looking forward to and honestly intimidated to do for some time now here on talk yeti to me we've always told you we'd bring you the straight talk no made-up nonsense or marketing gimmicks well this interview is exactly that There are some athletes that are born to be just that, athletes. Their one singular focus is to perform at the top of the sport they love. Richie Rude is one of those athletes. I sat down with Richie a little while ago and chatted with him what it takes to compete and win the level he does. What a crazy year 2020's been and how it's affected his training. We get into what it's like growing up in the Northeastern USA, and how that's prepared himself to be one of the fastest racers in the world. As we know Richie, he normally lets all the riding do the talking. But this is a podcast. We're in a pandemic. So what else are we going to do? We sat down and chatted. So let's dive in. I feel like I was just thinking through this. It's like, I feel I would be intimidated to... Race. I mean, I have. I've raced against so you. Probably didn't feel the heat coming like from fiftieth position, but <laughs> you've got more experience in interviews than me, so um I don't know. Should I be intimidated about this?
1: I don't know. I'm kind of intimidated, honestly.
0: <laughs> Why do you say that? I
1: don't know. I don't love interviews, but they're good.
0: Well, I mean, that's almost a question to start off. Would you just prefer to ride your bike and not have to deal with this this crazy media stuff?
1: I mean, I think media is great for you know reaching people and having your story out there and whatnot. But yeah, I always prefer to ride my bike and shoot video or photos or something.
0: I mean, that was the biggest change this year. We don't have to get too far into it, but um, we're chatting now in November. You had the weirdest year of your career, haven't you?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've been out of races before, but when you don't really have a goal of when racing, going to start and you know you're just kind of riding and training and going along with it until you hear some news it's yeah it's definitely quite tough it's a tough year just yeah just not knowing really and nerve-wracking and yeah it's hard to stay focused
0: well i think in so many ways much of your career has been there's been a timetable there's been an itinerary um there's like, these are the races you're doing for the season. So you can plan and prepare for that. <laughs> Wouldn't you say that there was no itinerary? Like you didn't, you, I bet you didn't even think you were going to race once this year. You got a couple races in, in the States, but really can plan for that.
1: Yeah. Like, um, you know, when it first started, like the first two races, you're like, all right, yeah. You know, those are canceled. Maybe we'll get going later on. And then it got to a point where you're like, all right, I don't think we're going to race at all this year, but if we do sweet, you know? Yeah, being able to race in Montana and Colorado was really great. Just to be back at a race and doing, you know, the one thing that you do in your life <laughs> is pretty great. And being able to be around Yeti was really nice. So uh, yeah, that was definitely a bonus of the year.
0: That's what I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to really dive into this interview and I feel like it was bound to happen. Richie, I actually kind of think that Yeti asked me to do this after that funny video I made in Sedona. So I knew this was about to happen. So we hung out in Sedona a couple years ago. And then again, this last spring for the Sedona Bike Fest. Um, this year it was on a, it was like a Yeti lunch ride. Nate Hills was leading it. You jumped in. And then I made this insta-story joke where I was just like, super excited to ride this lunch ride with Jeff Kabush. And I was like pointing at, at Nate, who's not the same height as Jeff. And then I'm like, and Jared Graves, which I pan over to you. And I think it's just funny because it's, pretty obvious. You know, you're wearing this Red Bull helmet. You stand out. People know who Richie is. And that's, I, that's kind of want to dive into you. Everyone knows who you are. And I don't know if it's the Red Bull helmet or the massive legs when people pass by, but there was like, it was so interesting from my perspective, Richie, because there was this like energy or this buzz, whether it was like, you could almost hear people saying like, whoa, dude, it's Richie Rude. Heads would turn. Or it was like, And you've probably seen this. I was watching it. People would stare at you weird. Do you feel that energy too?
1: Yeah, like definitely when you're at big bike events like Sedona or even just like at races and stuff. And yeah, even just like when at the local BMX track and it like kind of feels good, you know, that people, I guess, look up to you and, you know, have this buzz around you. It's it's kind of funny sometimes as well.
0: But I, I remember asking you the first time we rode together a couple of years in Sedona and it was like the same thing. People were like whizzing by and, and just all this like small talk. And then I asked you, I was like, you know, obviously people recognize the Red Bull helmet. I asked you, I was like, do you ever ride without that thing? Cause it kind of seems like a magnet. Do you remember what your answer was? I don't. The one thing you said, you looked at me it was super quick. You're like, well, that's not really the point. What does that mean? It's not really the point to, to ride without a Red Bull helmet.
1: Well, like when you wear the helmet... People see you, you know, if they're not mountain bikers, they're just getting into mountain biking, you like almost want to have the helmet on and kind of sh- almost show how cool mountain biking can be. What
0: I like about that, and it's kind of the way I interpret it is, is you're never off. Like your job is on all the time, representing yourself, but also your sport. So do you run into people that know nothing about mountain biking and you're wearing like a rebel hat or something like that? And, and uh, do, do you find the buzz outside of the core mountain bike events?
1: Um, yeah, like sometimes, I mean, I've walked in the stores before and people ask, uh, what I do or like if I play soccer or something.
0: <laughs> Is that what they ask? They go to soccer. Yeah.
1: One person did actually. And, um, I took my car in for a service and someone asked, uh, kind of what I did for Red Bull and I told them I was, uh, like an Endura mountain biker and everything. So that was cool seeing how inter- interested they were and they'd probably looked me up or something after that. So.
0: Oh, that's interesting. You know what? This actually, this brings me to my first question. So first one I had to write down and I've been thinking about this one for a while. So Richie Rude, like that's got to be a stage name. Is that actually your your real name? Yeah, of course. Like, it can't be that good. It's like you are crafted to be be a professional or a, or a super, I don't know, a superhero. That's your real name. It's not a stage name.
1: Yeah, me, my dad, my grandpa.
0: Are you like... You got to be so proud that that's, that's a badass name. Are you, you, do you feel like you're living up to the uh, superhero Richie Rude? I feel like I'm doing well, but yeah. Why I'm asking that is it seems like everyone knows who the racer Richie Rude is, but I wonder how many people truly know who you are as a person. They can research you online or we see people in Sedona. Like, who do you think, and you can even answer this, like you're a quarantine pod. How many, how many people do you think actually know who you truly are and who are they?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, like my immediate family and my team, obviously, you know, Damien, Jared, Sean Hughes, all those guys, I think they've gotten to know me over the years. So I think they know truly who I kind of am. Who would you say is your best friend? Oh, that's a tough one.
0: Yeah, you don't want to disappoint anyone. If you don't say yeah, your no, just... you're just going to be angry, <laughs> that's, that's safe. You're getting good at this. I feel like you know when it's time not to answer a question. Is that right to say? Was that strategic on that answer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's hard to choose one. I don't want to pick the wrong person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's smart. I think if you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. So I just want to understand little things, you know, a little bit. I've never been to Connecticut. That's where you grew up. Is there some sort of like core underground mountain bike scene there how did you get so fast growing up in the middle like i don't know like there's not mountains in connecticut how did that start
1: probably as most people would like my dad got me into in the mountain biking just because um like him and his friends rode all the time because they were doing you know different races and whatnot and so i kind of grew up riding with my dad's friends when i was young six to 12 probably and um yeah. So it was kind of just like around them. And then I went through like a little BMX phase and then got more interested into like, you know, mountain biking, downhill riding, free ride, you know, all the cool stuff. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think kind of the the skills and probably some of the speed and whatnot just came from riding, doing like more of the series that we had back then on the East coast and riding at like places like Mount Snow I can't remember all the names of the mountains now, but just kind of like riding in Vermont, New Hampshire and stuff like that, Where, yeah, just had like good access for that stuff. And my dad was really into taking me to races. And I think that really helped when I was younger, just kind of, you know, obviously learning to ride at different places in the mud and stuff. Like, I think I just, I don't know. I just loved it so much. And I always wanted to, I feel like I always raced a category above what I should have been in. Mm. So it kind of helped to progress me a bit. So I think that helped quite a bit, but yeah, I mean, as far as Kanika goes pretty like mild riding, I'd say, but for some reason, I don't know. It's like tech enough where you learn good skills and whatnot, but maybe not that like top end bit where you need like big hills and
0: I mean, I feel like I know this this answer, but I, I assume everyone would think that you have always won. Has that been the case? Like, right from the start, have you always been a winner?
1: No. When I was little, I raced cross-country, and I think I probably came close to last most of the time. But I had, <laughs> I had a good time, and I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm always a winner, but I just kind of enjoy the aspect of racing.
0: Do you think it's important... At a young age, not to be such a winner, because I feel like I'm I'm picturing this young Richie Rude and it's a good test, you know. If you truly love this sport for the the racing, and you're not doing it for the recognition of winning, do you think it's important not to win at a young age?
1: Yeah, I think so, because I don't know then you learn to be okay with you know not being at the top per se I mean I think it's good to win and get that feeling of having a kind of payoff for you but being like in the fight to try and be the quickest person I think is great and it's just like yeah it helps you learn with not being your best on that day or you know, being a bit slower and then wanting you know have that drive to be quicker so yeah it definitely helps and takes a bit of your ego away but I think it's definitely good when you're younger to not always be at the top and challenge yourself a bit
0: what about now how would you summarize what you want to get out of mountain biking and and your life more than anything
1: i mean i think i still you know i still love racing obviously and my goal is to win and be the best i can be really this year has been hard since we haven't been able to race and it's kind of been weird spot for me not knowing like what to do with myself a bit and um it's like kind of made me think about what i should be doing on the side or whatnot but yeah, at the moment, just focused on riding, racing, and obviously it's great to get people into the sport and focused on it.
0: What I know from professional athletes is they, they, you know, the story might be they come from middle of nowhere U.S., but so many, especially Red Bull athletes, move to the hub of whatever sport they do, and then they, you know, big mansion, they they live in that that core community, but... You know, whether that's, you know, Whistler, Squamish, that sort of thing. But, you know, Connecticut's not the hub of, of, of you know, the crown of of mountain biking. Why are you at home and not living in Whistler, for example?
1: Part of it was for so many years, I wasn't really home much of the year. So, like, it was hard to, I guess I didn't really know where I wanted to live. But being home only, you know, maybe a month out of the summer I like didn't think it made sense to move somewhere and I wouldn't really be home so I didn't like think about it much but yeah I mean at this point I think I'd like to move somewhere soon to be more of like a community of you know mountain bikers and yeah I think it I think it is helpful to be around a lot of people who ride and just have buddies to ride with and stuff. I just
0: watched uh what is it this is home episode. Oh yeah. And there's a there's a interesting quote in there. It says, "I think you said I really like training almost more than racing." Sometimes.
1: Sometimes I do. I don't know. It's just it's fun to just have a routine every day and go out and ride or go out and you know hit the gym or something. Go to the BMX track. You can always kind of change it up depending how you're feeling. You know, like you know you can ride a road for a couple of days and go ride the mountain bike for a couple of days or. I think sometimes racing, you can stress yourself out and, you know, you have to be somewhere. You have to be doing something at this time and this place. So I think then, too, I was traveling a lot. So being home was nice where I could just kind of flow and train whenever I wanted to.
0: But how about we relate that to our current environment where training is probably quite nice when you've got a, a very clear goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you still say the same quote after the season? Cause I can, imma- I can just imagine what all you're doing is just training every day, but what's it like now?
1: Yeah. This year has definitely been a lot of training without much, you know, a goal set in front of you, but I do enjoy it. So that's kind of a positive, like I don't get, burnt out on it too much i kind of go through cycles but one of the harder things about this year is not being able to go to like really cool places to ride and get a break from being home and being stuck on the trainer and stuff so i'd say yeah at this point i you know training's great but i miss traveling and racing my bike in different locations
0: do you think you're going to move out of Connecticut? Do you think it's it's uh, especially with COVID are you getting hungry to be surrounded by a mountain bike community or do you actually enjoy the break? Do you enjoy that people don't know
1: who you are um as a as a racer, not as Richie? Yeah, sometimes I definitely think about that. Like it's it's nice to be you know not like guess like not recognized everywhere. Like when you're a big like mountain bike community, like when I was in Squamish, you know, I rode an e-bike for like 30 minutes and, you know, four people I heard the next day that like, oh, I saw you out riding an e-bike. Yeah. It's nice to have a little break from everything, but I think it is nice to be around people and, you know, have great trails and yeah.
0: I mean, there's not a really easy answer to that, right? You've got the the two ways of looking at it. It's nice to be You know, you don't have to be this uh, person that everyone expects you to be in the mountain bike community um, at home. But the trade off is it's like you're not surrounded by people that push you or the, you know, the mountain bike community.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's great around here. We do have a lot of access to different mountains and um, which is great. Like Thunder Mountain and Mountain Creek and even riding up in uh, like Burke and Vermont. There's a great community around. I just have to drive a bit. So that is nice. It's been nice to be able to to spring or the summer to kind of enjoy those places more. Where I think in a normal season, I wouldn't really get up there just because it's a bit of a drive. But so this year, it's been great to like hang out with Dave Trump more and that whole Mm -hmm. kind of like Yeti crew, which has been nice.
0: Some of the fall photos that Dave's taken of you up there look so epic it really seems that you've completely devoted to, to racing. So you were talking about, well, everyone that you um, graduated with high school with was going off to college university. You, I think at that age, 16, 17, 18 years old, you saw there was a potential of this with this race career. And from, is it from that point, you are just completely devoted to racing?
1: I think I was pretty into it before that. Like obviously, you know, there wasn't anybody else around me who was going like, you know, racing. So it felt a bit odd, but then like once you're, you know, in that last year of school, I didn't have a plan for school. And I was just like, what I enjoyed was racing and, you know, at that point uh, riding for Yeti. And that's kind of what made me happy. So at that point I was like, well, you know, this is obviously what I want to do. So I'm going to continue with this, obviously, as long as I can.
0: You know what I'd love to hear is: so you're in Connecticut, the people you grew up with, um, your some of your best friends, parents. They like what? How do you describe what you do for work to someone that doesn't understand the mountain bike world?
1: I mean, I guess I say I race mountain bikes,
0: but is it just like, oh, that sounds fun? <laughs> you can't make a career out of that. Yeah, I don't know. Do you just flash the Red Bull hat- hats. <laughs> that that comes you know what Red Bull is, and you know this is a prestigious thing. But how do you?
1: I don't race. I don't ride Rampage, but it's pretty cool there. That... <laughs> no, I don't know.
0: We know you from Enduro racing, but you are going down a path for DH racing, and I mean that's it's been compared to what is it the Formula One of of mountain bike racing. Um, I like, from my opinion as a fan, I would question why are you not a world champion DH racer?
1: Yeah, so obviously, throughout you know my teens and whatnot, I raced downhill because you know I didn't really know enduro was. I don't think it was really around. But so then I raced downhill with Yeti for um, three years, and I, I mean, that's obviously what I grew up doing and what I love to do at that point. And um, so Jared Graves was racing Enduro the final year. I was racing downhill and um, he was doing really great at that. And obviously I look up to Jared. So, and then at the end of the year, Yeti decided that they were going to put more of their focus towards Enduro. And that year, 2013, I won junior world championships which is kind of like my big goal. And it was my second year in junior, so that was kind of like the last chance. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was really happy I did that, and it was kind of like a big goal. And But, like, that I didn't really have, like, a great year in downhill otherwise. I was almost, like, kind of over it in a way. Oh, yeah. When Yeti asked me if I wanted to do, like, move over to Enduro instead, you know, I was thinking about it, and, like, being in... Connecticut I ride my trail bike all the time anyways so it like almost made sense like it was way easier for me to go out and ride my trail bike than it was to take my Donald bike out somewhere mm-hmm. so I decided to just go for it and being able to be on a team and race with Jared it was pretty big at that point but I've looked up to him and watched all the Yeti videos and stuff so yeah I kind of just went for it and like just decided to try it out and see how, how it would go.
0: Is it safe to say if you're fast at downhill, you're going to
1: be fast at enduro? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's so much skill involved with downhill and it's the same with enduro, you know, it's all, you know, technical and a lot of it's skill-based cause it's, you know, we're racing downhill really just on trail bikes and with, uh, some more pedaling. So yeah, having that background I think is really great. I think you can see it in a lot of the races on the circuit who came from downhill. They have a pretty good, pretty good shot at it.
0: What was the success for you? Did you roll right into it and start crushing Enduros right from the start? Or was it like kind of your cross country days where it kind of took a bit?
1: Yeah, it definitely took a bit to get going. Um, but like I enjoyed kind of the riding like leading up to it. I think that year I went down to New Zealand and, uh, I stayed with Cam Cole for the for their for their summer but our winter and just rode my trail bike the whole time and that was probably one of like the best, you know, winters I've had, just enjoying that. And yeah, I think the first year I didn't really know what to do for training and whatnot. And I remember going to the first race, it was in Chile and it was just like the most like brutal climbs, like so much climbing and hiking to get to the stages and yeah it just blew me out like so bad over the over the weekend so it's kind of like a a bit of a shock to the system just how much like fitness you had to have i don't know i didn't really have like too much pressure on myself per se like like it wasn't too different like where i was on my trail bike and you're still like racing down almost you know because you're you're timed and whatnot so like the stress of racing didn't really affect me but as yeah, the pedaling and kind of just the base fitness throughout the weekend was a bit much for me, but, um, yeah, just being able to ride with Jared through the weekend and kind of doing, uh, more races with him. I don't know. helped me like kind of get through, uh, those early races better. And, uh, I think it was the third round, my first season we were in Scotland and I think I had my first top 10 in a stage, which was really great. Yes. So like just adapting to the speed of being on a trail bike was coming around, so that was really confidence inspiring, and uh, that was also the place that I learned that you can't run seven eighty bars for enduro because <laughs> a lot of tight trees got to get around. And yeah, I think that first year was just kind of like a building year.
0: Like, how difficult was the transition? From what I understand, from World Cup racing, well, it makes sense. You're on the same track, sometimes year after year. Nothing really changes. Compared to Enduro, where EWS, you have one lap. At least you have a GoPro. But how hard is the mental piece of not being able to train and perfectly craft the descent? Because a lot of it is you're 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 adapting as you're racing. Is that not correct to say?
1: Yeah, for sure. And the first, the first year I raced, I think it was the first two years, we could do as many laps as we wanted to within a time frame. But yeah, now that we only have one lap, you definitely have to like adjust your style in a way that like you kinda just gotta go with the flow almost. And having the GoPros is really nice because you can ride practice, you know, stay at like 70, 80%, percent, kinda like ride the trail as you would and maybe stop in a few spots and check out lines and stuff. For me, like I try and ride the trail as naturally as possible in a way like not make it too complicated. Cause yeah, like on like downhill, you can't like focus on lines and like be really good with setups and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think throughout the weekend when you have, you know, five to eight tracks, it's hard to remember every little thing. And with the GoPro, you now you do your one site lap, get the video of it. And then before race day, being able to look over that kind of like over and over again, and it helps to be able to like remember key sections where, you don't know, get to worry about slowing down or, being off the brakes.
0: I'm just relating to my own enduro racing where I get to the bottom and I'm just like, I did not nail those lines, but I mean the level where EWS is at, is it safe to say that you have to nail every single run or how many mistakes do you have on your race run?
1: To a point you, you kind of have to nail everything or at least like kind of flow through it the best you can. 2019, my first race back, like I didn't crash once and then my second race, I crashed, like, almost every stage. So it's, it's funny because I think you can, you can ride to a point where, like, you ride everything smooth and you're, you know, quick. And then I think you can also overcook it and have little mistakes everywhere. But, yeah, I think the main goal is just, like, riding as smooth as you can and anticipating certain sections and just flowing well. And I think when you overdo it a bit here and there and you start, you know, getting super tired here and, Not falling was when you kind of like lose lose the momentum.
0: Do you actually like plan your race run out? Do you you look at certain points like um, my skill is going to be good at this uphill or the super technical piece and there's some strategy to to that? Or are you more just I am going to get my body down that mountain as fast as I possibly can?
1: Yeah, I think um, I definitely take it a bit like piece by piece. Like I know what I'm good at so in that section maybe I'll risk it a little bit more than I would like a super tight steep section where like there's maybe some risk of crashing like I I know to like back it down there just a bit if I can yeah hit that pedal section and really crank it out so yeah I definitely like to plan it a bit and you know make it to my strengths a bit if I can or just kind of make it down if it's a it's something I don't love.
0: I was talking to your coach, Damien Smith, and he was saying one of your biggest strengths is your mental game. And I know what he meant with that. But I also interpret that as I was following down in Sedona, which is like super gnarly, rocky terrain. And you had never been down this one section. I was following you right on your tail. And it's, you know, I, was, I wasn't hanging you with, for you with very long. He dropped me pretty quick. But I could not believe how you could interpret the terrain. Like, i have never riding that trail. Gnarliest trail. Most people walk this. And you probably rode it faster than anyone. How does it, like, how do you get to the point that you mentally can interpret that terrain that
1: fast? I think it just comes from, I guess, the time being on the bike. And I think it's almost like you've ridden part of the trail already and you kind of know how it's going to be. Yeah, it's just kind of just... Almost just trusting how the trail's built and just going with it. And I think coming from the East Coast a bit, like Rye, one of the places I ride at home is like super rocky. And so it's almost just kind of natural to like just, I don't know, just punch it through rocks and stuff in sections like that. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, just like trusting <laughs> the trail in a way. Trusting yourself and knowing you can handle what's coming up unless it's like you've totally mistimed something.
0: But that's gotta come from so like ten thousand hours of (laughs) like rallying your bike down the mountain because where you grew up, they probably weren't mountain bike specific trails. And same with racing in Europe. So if you grew up in Whistler and you spent your entire time in that mountain bike community, you probably wouldn't get the same as experiences growing up in Connecticut or somewhere that doesn't have mountain bike specific trails. Is that like fate fair to say that actually growing up somewhere where there's not mountain bike specific trails is a benefit?
1: I think in a, in a bit, there's probably something to it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to point out exactly, but yeah, I think also too, like racing in Europe and um, I was just being a part of the enduro scene for a little, like you, you're exposed to so much, you know, like one run here one run there and you kind of got to adapt yourself to that.
0: Damien was also saying that, you know, I mean, it's well known, Richie, you're you're quiet, you're you're well, you're calm and you're cool. Do you do you ever lose your shit? <laughs> when does that happen?
1: Um yeah, sometimes. Uh, definitely happens a bit when I'm home on the trainer, you know. Get fed up on that thing pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, I try and keep pretty Common, collected i think especially at the races there's not much room to get fed up and upset with things i think that's when you start going uh backwards and you're racing especially during a race if you're fed up with stuff i know like you know if i'm having a bad race and kind of get upset in that way it doesn't really tend for good results so gotta try and stay at least Positive and moving forward in a race.
0: I mean, that's got to be key. You rarely get flustered. You don't bend under pressure. Damien also claims that you're the perfect athlete. You're very focused. You don't socialize, don't party. You are completely dedicated to the task at hand. From my interpretation, that's what it takes to be the best. What would you say?
1: It definitely depends on person to person. But for me, just kind of being focused on what I do and like, Kinda keeping it fun within you know reason and like just enjoying being on the bike is what works best for me. And I think having too many distractions isn't great, especially if you want to like kinda focus in purely on racing, but
0: I mean I'm I'm kinda learning here, but is it fair to say your personality just being quiet, is that your kind of winning advantage? Is that is that the secret sauce?
1: Um I don't know.
0: <laughs> I just want to ride as fast as you. And it's like, doesn't matter how many times I ride my bike, I can't seem to get over the hurdle of watching you. Like, I, I think about my race results, the uh, 50th, it's like the time frame that even you falling or getting a flat, I feel like comparing my race results to yours, you could stop halfway down the run crack a beer, fix a flat, and you're still faster than me. So what is it? What do I need to do?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Stop drinking? (laughs) Have a good time. Follow me on a couple laps.
0: (laughs) It's definitely something, you know, you have traveled the world. You've seen so many different tracks, but there is something else. It's like, it doesn't, not anyone can do this. Richie, at a certain point, there's uh, some young guns coming on up. So I mean I'm going to start up by asking who's your biggest rival in the race
1: race circuit? I mean I think there's a few people like obviously Sam is pretty killer at the moment. Um, Martin's up there. Uh, Jesse's you know starting to win some races and stuff now. So yeah we have a pretty kind of like stacked top end of the field. Yeah it's been interesting now because I've been part of the sport for a few years and I was a young kid coming in and being fast and. Uh, seeing, like, uh, Adrian come in and start winning a bit. You know, it's always, like, at some point you're like, man, like, i got to keep my game up. And so that's been kind of interesting to see and watch.
0: Do you, do you really feel like these guys are, well, you know, those are the top guys you're racing against, but can you really feel the pressure of the, the young guns nipping at your heels?
1: Yeah, and then, yeah, and watching um, kind of the junior category and then kind of their speed, and they've been picking up. Like, I think now, too, since... You know, the World Series has been around for a while. That's kind of what you can focus on early on. And, you know, you don't have to go through downhill to be able to race mountain bikes. Definitely got to keep the form going and can't let kids come in and, and smoke us. <laughs> kind of like I did, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, so Jared was your mentor. Um, yeah. He was pretty instrumental in, I mean, even just bringing you over to Enduro. Do you find that you're at a tipping point where those, you know, you're starting to turn out to be the, the, the mentor?
1: I mean, I like to think that I'm not yet, but I do enjoy kind of helping someone like the younger kids on our team, at least like get through races the best, the best they can. And like through our PerformX uh, squad with Todd Chumalec, Um just giving advice to one of the kids on there quite a bit you know, it just feels good to like kind of help them out and, you know, not make those little mistakes kind of I made like earlier on. So yeah, it's like, it feels good to do that. And, um, but clearly I don't want them to beat me anytime (laughs)
0: soon. (laughs) You're not giving everything away. Well, let's, I have a question about this. this. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can, yeah, you can just give the general things like don't forget to sleep and, um, yeah, (laughs) eat bananas. I don't know. So here's my question. There's an up-and-coming comer on the team, Casper, who even beat you this year. Um, was that because you weren't ready for the season or did you give him too much information? All right, what, What's the deal with that?
1: Um, I gave him some hot tips before the last stage in the winter park. So I'm going to blame that on why <laughs> he beat me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think he was, in, he was riding really good this year and... I want to say probably it was, yeah, because I didn't really have too much racing underneath my belt. Like Montana was, yeah, my first race, and then Winter Park was my second. And I know he just came off a killer week at Crankworks, so he was probably feeling good. And then...
0: well, this is interesting because what I'm interpreting is there's no substitute for being fast. Like you have to race. There's no training that can um, take over for that. Is is that what you're feeling?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, being home where I am being able to go somewhere and race really gets like kind of the blood going and you get into that, that mindset a bit. And I tried to replicate that a little bit back home. Like I was doing laps at, uh, Thunder with my friend, Willem. We we're trying to do like, uh, you know, like doing a little like mock and darrow race. And I think that helped a bit, but there's definitely something about being out of race and being in terrain maybe you haven't been to yet that kind of just you know it gets something else going inside of you to really push it and not having that quite a bit throughout the years is is hard to like put yourself on a little higher level I know the in early 2019 I rode in Squamish for a while for a bit like I rode with Casper a couple times then and yeah like being on those kind of trails and Going fast with all those guys definitely helped a bit before her start race, and then too. So,
0: if you're looking at, you know, what happened
1: in Europe with a couple
0: of races, you, you know, as a as an American, you weren't able to fly over there for the final EWSs. Um, are you? Uh, I know this is kind of obvious, but I'm kind of curious to hear what you're going to say. Are you feeling nervous? Are Do you feel like they've had an advantage over you to the start of this uh, this upcoming EWS if it's gonna if it's gonna happen?
1: I think. A little bit. Um, I think just like being at those races and I think if you did well, I think then you would see some, some benefit from them. Like, you know, there's no way that Jesse went to those races and he won that he's not going to come back, like feeling a lot better about himself and like, you definitely should. So yeah, I think like having, you know, those couple races underneath your belt and doing well, or just being able to perform, I think also gives you a bit, of like motivation for the year coming up and obviously then like you trained for something i think you know being out of it for the year was kind of a bummer and i think missing those races wasn't ideal but i mean you kind of got to look past it because nothing you could really do about it you know being able to race in colorado montana was great for me i think it kind of stepped me forward a little bit for the year and just on some setup stuff and whatnot and um I think just for next year kind of when we have to start ramping things up we'll just have to you know maybe do a little more like race practice beforehand but trying to stay confident otherwise
0: it's just got to be mentally so hard you know you didn't have a race season it, it wasn't the typical winning season that you'd have this next this next step even throughout this winter and not even knowing if EWS will run. Um, do you think this is one of the hardest challenges you've had in your career?
1: Yeah, for sure. As athletes, you know, we're here to train and uh, for these races and like over last winter, not having, like having that goal kind of pushed away from you was pretty tough to get through. Just because, you know, it's hard to, like you didn't have something to look forward to. And it was, you're kind of wondering, you know, why you're sitting here on the trainer doing what you're doing. But I think for me, sometimes I, you know, I do enjoy that. So that's good. But yeah, it's just like when we're in this situation and we have to wait to see if, you know, races are going on, you know, having racing being such a big part of your career, it's, and you, when you don't have that, it makes you question like what else you could do because you almost feel like you should be doing something else to give back or, you know, further yourself. So yeah, it's, it's tough.
0: So we're looking into next season. We don't know if, uh, EWS is going to run. Do you think you do anything? Like, is there anything you're doing different throughout this winter to prepare and kick some ass next year?
1: I think it's just trying to keep it fun at least, or do something. Um, Yeah. Uh not too many plans at the moment, I'd say.
0: How like I'm not really getting from you that you are a naturally competitive person, are, are you?
1: Yeah, I get pretty frustrated when I I think I get more frustrated when I can't do something well, you know? Like I can ride bikes great, but you know, if you challenge me to a, shooting hoops or something, <laughs> it's pretty frustrating when I can't can't do it that great. So, yeah, I'm definitely pretty competitive. By nature in the right aspect
0: would you say you challenge yourself to do things that you're uncomfortable with or do you prefer to focus on what you're good and perf- uh, perfect that craft
1: um i think it's a bit of a bit of both really like if it's bike related i try and challenge myself quite a bit kind of with anything i guess but if it's something like totally different i'll give it a try but i won't like go super deep into it I guess
0: well then that leads me to my last question and it's a competitive one so it's been about you know this this entire interview who do you think won this interview
1: (laughs) I mean I'll give you the (laughs) am
0: I leading right now I'm like I'm like say it say it say say I'm say I'm leading right now
1: (laughs) see I'll 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 give you the humble win
0: Yeah, humble win. Richie, thank you for this. Um, I really enjoyed following your social media throughout the year. I obviously love watching um, you win. I think that's such a big piece. But I think um, you're such an inspiration to the community of how devoted you are to something. And for my interpretation, that's truly what it takes to be the best. Do you have any comments about that?
1: I love being focused on, you know, mountain bikes and doing the best I can through that and not having, you know, too many distractions that, you know, aren't positive for mountain biking. But I think the best thing you can do is, you know, ride your bike and have fun and make it fun in a way that you can, you know, ride week in, week out or, or whatnot. So yeah, it's just like kind of adapting it in a way for yourself to just enjoy it and be able to improve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know it sounds like this trainer is kind of a love-hate, but with winter coming up, it sounds like you're going to have some time on that. So for now, just keep training, keep entertaining us, and thanks for everything that you've done for the sport. Yeah, thank you. That's it. We did it. We got him to talk. And now more than ever, I can't wait to see Richie rip up a race course again real soon. This year was a tough one on many of us, but to me, to get a glimpse into a world of a rider like Richie inspires me to keep pushing through. Training, doing what I love, and pushing myself to get better. Thanks for tuning in, Yeti Nation. Until next time, you know what to do. Be well, be safe, but keep pet.